welcome to another episode of Three of Cups Story Hour. It has been a while since you have seen us. We've all, myself, Anna, and Isaac, have had some really busy months, a lot of hectic activity, but we finally have found time to come together and get back to it. So we're very excited to be here. And I think most everybody who kind of follows Three of Cups Story Hour kind of sees what Isaac and I are up to. You know, we're just doing our thing here in, 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 in Deep Earth Arts. We're doing our thing here in Littleton, New Hampshire, uh, having a blast of it. Uh, before we jump into our episode, I just want to touch base with the other cups and see how they're been, see what life is, life is happening. And um, because we haven't seen her lovely smile in so long, I would like to toss it over to Anna, Anna Shepard, and find out how Anna has been, where life has been for her. So Anna, how are you? Thanks, Josh. I'm I'm fine, I think. I'm fine. Um, it's been a hot minute since we were last all together, that's for sure. And we've nearly had a whole, have we had an entire summer? It feels like we have um, without meeting. So I'm just trying to think back over the summer. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I've just been doing my summer thing, really. Um, been very involved in my outdoor life, um, growing food, um, looking after my chickens, going riding, getting really into my, my horse time, which is really important to me. Um, started a new job, which has been quite intense, but good, I think. Um, I'm still kind of working that one out, but um, it's so far so good. Um, and yeah, it's just um, my, my daily tarot check-in journey is something I'm trying to develop a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, life's just been, busy um my eldest son left home that was a big deal um and I'm kind of coming back into a place trying to find my balance again after that big kind of adjustment of him leaving because there's always that period of um yeah mourning I guess um going through that um and coming out the other side but generally I'm really well thank you Awesome. That's that's wonderful to hear. And Isaac and I, our 18-year-old son, has graduated from high school. He's in the workforce. He's 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 doing some masonry, concrete work with uh, uh, a a local company, and he loves it. He just wants to get his hands dirty. He's got a big truck. He's driving, and he's he's very happy, just doing what he's doing. So we're we're very fortunate for that. So I, I hear you about the whole transition from child to adult and moving into the world and it is it was a lot more for me personally than I was expecting so I totally get coming from absolutely Isaac my love my husband let the let our audience know how you are you know I'm, I'm doing pretty well it's been a crazy summer uh we've just been so busy getting things done at the shop summer stuff Gardens are out of control here, <laughs> putting in trees, trying to do cool things here, getting events and uh, just working around general COVID things as well. So yeah, life is good and that's where I'm at. Good, well, I know that and I, I hope our audience appreciates that. And for anybody that's listening or uh, anybody that has never seen us or heard us before. The way we kind of run our episodes here is it's kind of a two-part 
uh, two, two segments, if you will. And the first, we could consider it like a Dear Abby um, portion where we, we get a question or a challenge from somebody that's out in the world. They're, they're, they're suffering in some form or fashion and they give us a question, the challenge, and we're all going to read on it. We have our tools, our oracle cards, our runes, our tarot cards, all of that. I have Bob the Skull here to join me today for our Halloween episode. And we, we do our best to just give folks insight and bring it to a public platform in hopes that other folks who might have similar situations can relate and maybe gain some wisdom and some insight that will help them in their life. And then in the second segment, we kind of dive into a fun little mystery, uh, uh, a legend, uh, something maybe in a paranormal aspect. We've done the Betty and Barney Hill scenario for alien abduction. We've talked about the Denver airport. We've talked about all sorts of different kind of spooky stuff. And being that this is our Halloween episode, we have a really, really, really spooky thing to read on in the last half. So right now, we're going to dive right into it. And I want to introduce both Anna and Isaac, as well as our audience, to Rhonda. Rhonda has submitted a question for us. And I think that it's a lot, uh, it's something that a lot of folks can really relate. You know, I can definitely relate to this for uh, a portion of my life as well. So here's Rhonda's challenge. Rhonda writes in, most of my life I have been closed off to the world, mostly in my own little world. I feel I've missed out on a lot of things because of that. And I don't know if it's fear of something or, or something else. I want to be able to be more open to experiences and interactions on a personal level, but I struggle with this. How do I achieve being more open to the world? All right. So everybody can kind of see my little reading table here. Bob's going to help me. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of concentrate on this question. I have a bag of runes here and my rune table. So I'm going to go ahead and just cast the runes to get some insight um, around this and hopefully bring Rhonda to this, bring, bring Rhonda some insight around. So the rune that kind of fell in a bullseye is uh, Isa. Isa, let me get in front of my camera. Isa just is like the letter I. This is ice. This is being frozen and stagnant, stagnant in place. And that that that's a bit, and I might just be able to read right off of this rune here. Um, that That is very uh, appropriate to this, feeling stuck, feeling frozen, feeling not being able to blossom, if you will. That rune also encourages me to remember that there are seasons in all of our lives, right? That there are things in our life where they just kind of have to happen because it's a season. And where we're at in Northern New England, if we wanted to plant daffodils or garlic, we do that in the fall time because those have to freeze over the course of the winter so they can blossom in the spring. I, I first and foremost, I would, I would never you know, I would never encourage Rhonda to give up hope, right? I would encourage her to have hope that that if she's even been like this for most of her life, it's, it's the result of some story that's playing out inside of her, right? Some part of her 
that is manifesting in this world. But it doesn't always have to be that way. And I think we often feel like that, right? If we're a certain way, you know, if we're, we're stuck in certain patterns or routines, it's very easy to think, well, I guess this is the way it's always been, right? I guess this, that's the way it's always been. I would encourage Rhonda to look at her life in that manner of seasons, right? Sometimes we have to be withdrawn. Sometimes we have to be, you know, kind of cold and, and withdrawn we have to be frozen in the soil to blossom and what I get out of Rhonda's question is that I think she just wants to blossom I think she wants to get out there right and it's time for her to blossom a couple of things way way on the other side of the board was uh, the rune of Gibo this is lucky number seven it also looks like an x Gibo lucky number seven is the gift and around the rune um Around the rune stuff, I, I would encourage Rhonda to see herself as a gift, right? And it's this is this is tough. This is tough because oftentimes when we are in this place of I don't want to get out into the world, I don't want to bring myself to the world, I, I'm I'm afraid of these personal interactions. Oftentimes that comes from a place of well, I think I'm going to mess people up, or I'm going to hinder them in some way, or or. I don't know. They're not. They're not going to see me for who I am. I'm going to bring the the social hour down or the party down or what have you. I would encourage you, Rhonda, to see yourself not as a burden but as a gift. Uh, and and I like to think that every human is a an individual song of the creation. Right. Everybody is. Everybody has. They're they're made up of their own notes. Their own their own melodies, if you will. Like my song is different than Anna's song. It's different than Isaac's song. It's different than Rhonda's song. And, and Rhonda, uh, as much as you're able, you know, I'd love for you to see how much you have brought to the lives of others already. Because I do believe that you have just by kind of being who you are and, and leading the life that you are leading, right? So, so if we can shift that perspective uh, from a place of, well, I take away from the world by being out in it. Instead of that perspective, what do you add to the world by being more in it, right? And and this is a matter of just finding your tribe, finding your people, getting out there. There was a time in my life when I was very young where I was very shy. I didn't want to be involved in things. And I don't know what happened to me. I think I just kind of like, well, I want I want to experience life on here. So I would encourage you to seize the day, for lack of a better way to put it. Seize the day as much as you can because it's the you know the month of Halloween right now is the month of the trickster, right? The month of the month of Halloween and Samhain is when we honor the dead and honor our ancestors. And yeah, it also lines up with a very trickster element too, right? The the trick or treating, the pranker, prankster. That there's a lot of a lot of trickster energy in this month. And I, I realize why that is now. It's it's really because the dead, right? Our ancestors and spirits. When we move into when we move into death, it's a perspective shift in the way that we realize, boy, did we take ourselves way too seriously? Did we take life way too seriously? And that's why I think the month of the trickster is also the month of the dead, because while we're here, we should be having fun, right? As much as we can. Maybe you're not a people person. 
Rhonda, I'm not a people person. I don't like big parties. I don't like big crowds, but I do love my friends and I do love social socialization. So remember that your song is your song. The way you interact in this world is how you interact in this world. And there's no right or wrong when it comes to that. Try to find your song and try to find your way to sing it. I hope that helps you. I would encourage you to make the most of uh, what you have left here. I don't know how old you are, Rhonda, uh, but we only have so many Octobers left. We only have so many Halloweens left. And I think it's going to be a matter of you really like taking the leap, right? Getting out there and, you know, attending events, showing up uh, and just kind of ripping the bandaid off and getting past that initial fear. And once you do that, it's like hopping on a bike. When I was a kid, I was terrified of bikes. When I figured it out and I learned how to ride it, I couldn't get enough of them. So I'd encourage you to kind of see it that way. So thank you, Rhonda. I hope that helps as much as, as much as I'm able to, to lend some clarity around this scenario for you. Um, and I will turn this over to Anna. Anna, do you Hi. need me to read that? Do you need me to read the question again for you? Yeah, just quickly, just, just to recap very briefly. I got the gist of it, but there was one bit specifically that you that came up for me and I just want to check it. So yeah, that'd be useful. Most of my life, I have been closed off to the world, mostly in my own little world. I feel I've missed out on a lot of things because of that. I don't know if it's fear uh, of something or something else. I want to be able to be more open to experiences and interactions on a personal level. How do I achieve that? How do I get out into the world? Brilliant. Thank you. Hi, Rhonda. First of all, hello to you. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing this question with us. And um, yeah, I can. So opening up to the world, having faith, you know, perhaps having the courage, the confidence to step out. Um, the Oracle card that I pulled from the Enchanted Map Oracle for you was this beautiful card of protecting treasure. And I'm, I'm talk about that in a second. I just wanted to mention this. And for those of you who are listening rather than watching, it shows a woman and she's curled up. She has an umbrella over her and she's kind of curled up protectively over a treasure chest, which is shut. OK, so the idea from that is that treasure is very much being held within. There is treasure there, but she's holding on to it. It's not released. Um, now, let's move on to the tarot cards, which I pulled for you, Rhonda. And we, I will talk about these, obviously. The first one that came up reverse for you was the moon. And this, I think, really does talk very strongly about this um, similar message of protecting treasure or protecting what is within through fear. Um, it tells me that you do have a lot within. You do have a lot inside that is genuinely beautiful and something that other people around you, if you shared it, would benefit from. Um, you have gifts. You have unique gifts as a human being. If you hold on to them and you don't shine your light, other people can't benefit from those. They can't learn from you they can't share your gifts um and that would be a terrible shame and we're getting a clue as to why that might be with the moon card reversed the moon is one of those cards in the tarot which can often talk about our subconscious self um, and it is the place where we store our fears um 
traditionally in the Rider Waite Smith deck, we see a little crab coming out of the water, and that's very much our subconscious fears rising to the surface. Um, when the moon is reversed, it can mean that we are blocking our what's what's underneath, and it's time to let that out. It's time to realise perhaps um, that we can take control of these things, which sometimes we feel control us you know our subconscious fears can drive us they can make us choose um, to make decisions in our lives that perhaps we wouldn't consciously want um, so to become aware of those things those triggers if you like is a really useful thing it tells me that there is again there's a lot to come out there's a lot to be revealed there's a lot to come out into the light um, and that you know unblocking that is a big part of that and a big part of unblocking that is realizing what is triggering you where your fears are stemming from now this might need a little bit of work you might need to track back um we might be looking at historical stuff you know maybe seeds that were planted way back when when you were a kid um there may be you know, issues to do with self-confidence and not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be, to you know, to be um, judged, all of those things. I don't want to speak for you. You'll know what those things are. But um, all I'm saying is, it seems to me because that moon is reversed, that there is this stuff that needs to be acknowledged. And because once you do that, once you do acknowledge those, perhaps where those blockages and triggers are coming from, what we have next is the bliss card the nine of cups. This shows me that there is so much goodness waiting to happen. There's so much satisfaction just almost at your fingertips. Um, and it's just this trick, I think, of um, coming to some kind of awareness um, of ha perhaps how you're self-sabotaging to some degree that will release this feeling of achievement satisfaction happiness and ultimately blossoming this nine of cups has if you look at that card those cups are full of flowers and this is very much this feeling of blossoming coming from this a woman is staring into these cups they're full of flowers and the feeling is one of deep rooted joy of satisfaction of um accomplishment achievement confidence whatever your wish is essentially for yourself you have the ability to unlock that you do you have the power to do that for yourself no nobody nothing and no one has the right to take that away from you it doesn't matter what anyone said to you 15 20 years ago that doesn't have any power over you any longer you can free yourself okay because the next card is the fool which is Josh was talking about the leap of faith, being wide open, jumping into experience, not being held back by our fears, not, a, not allowing our fears to block us because your route to your bliss does depend on making a start, you know, being brave, emerging, um, beginning, starting, initiating. The fool contains so much potential. He's the journeyman who's yet to take his first step. And in order to take his first step, he has to have that pure faith in the journey ahead. Um, and it really, there is a lightness of being with the fool as well. Josh was talking about trickster energy, kind of is similar to fool energy to a degree. But I see this 
becoming available to you. You know, you have the ability to step lightly into your bliss. And that's what I want you to take with you, that you can do this, that actually the first step might feel like the hardest thing in the world. But once you do it, once you do perhaps test your edges, perhaps set yourself a little bit of a challenge um, and say, well, if I can do X today, whatever that is, then I have proved to myself that I have achieved that. And that will immediately bolster you and make you brave enough to take further steps and so on and so forth and on you go. So I do think we're looking at um, the courage to the courage to be you, the courage to emerge and be you and to be and to show up in your own life um, and to do so boldly and bravely do so with a free and open heart do so um, with the energy of the full step into experience so that's what i've got for you excellent thank you anna wow you're just so good you're so good i hope you know how good you are i really do i hope you know that so i'm going to turn that over to isaac and All right. his insight for rhonda you, are you okay with the question, Isaac? Do you need it again? No, I'm, I'm good. I think I, 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 think I have it. Uh, <clears throat> so today I'm working with the Vintage Rider weight, which if you haven't seen it, hold the magician card right here. It's just the Rider weight, but it looks like it's been aged and it's really doing it for me. I really, I really like this old feel for it. Uh, <clears throat> so at the center of this reading here, I have what the story is about and also what the center of the reading is. The story is about, I pulled the five of pentacles, which is very much a card of feeling like you're outside of something. In this card, there's a picture of, of two beggars uh, or just poor folk walking in the snow outside of the church. It's, a very, it's very much a, car, a card of being outside, feeling like you're outside of the warm, stained glass windowed area right and at the center of it all is the four cups which is a card of sitting with it and also just not a very happy card but the interesting thing about the four of cups is there is three the the character in the card is looking at the three of cups in front of them and there's a fourth cup behind them being offered from spirit so there is a sense with this entire reading in front of me about, again, that outside, this feeling like you're outside of everything and really seeing that, but there is a little bit of support here. So the bigger story, this is gonna be writing off a little bit of what Anna was talking about. Uh, so there's a certain past bit of this story. I have the King of Swords in the past bit. Uh, I'm seeing this card as a figure that was very unkind of his words. I'm going to assume, I mean, it could be a father, it could be an ex, uh, but there's a certain kind of, the story is being fed with a certain history of unkind words, being somebody definite, there, there's a story that's playing inside of you, right? That uh, on the other side of it is the page of swords. This, in this reading is what I'm seeing is that inner child, that hurt bit from the King of Swords, who is 
getting in the way of you getting out, the way of you connecting with people. There's a certain inner story that this inner younger Rhonda uh, is kind of getting in the way of going and connecting. It's it's a coping mechanism, right? It's a way of protecting, kind of like what Anna's original card was talking about, protecting that that treasure, the, the treasure being you, protecting yourself, protecting your your energy, protecting your heart, because it doesn't feel safe because of the story that you're working with. <clears throat> to find healing in that story. I pulled the King of Cups. Of course, I have a reading full of court cards court cards uh but in this reading particularly i'm seeing this bit of not only making room to notice when you have that inner story rearing up and getting in the way but finding the inner kindness the inner self-compassion to notice that story and to try to sit with it and see how you can maybe unravel it a little bit. What does that story need? What is that story's purpose inside of you? Why, not only why is this part of you afraid of a repeat of the story, a repeat of the energy of the story, but how can you give that part of yourself that what it needs, what it needed in that situation? How can you nurture that part inside of you? How can you how can you sit with that and build up that part of you that's been torn down by somebody else? How can you rewrite that story and sit with that fear? And I have some suggestions from some other cards in front of me. One is talking about the idea of not waiting for it to just happen, right? There, there's not a, the answer isn't just going to fall into your lap. There's a certain amount of work that you have to put in for this. And I'm not saying pushing yourself to jump right in. One of the cards that are coming up in the reading in front of me is Temperance. And you'll see in the Temperance card, you know, it's, it's very much the middle path. You have an angel doing an alchemical pouring of one cup into another, one foot on the ground, one foot in the water. With this in this situation, I would say slowly putting your uh, foot in the water of social situations to try to connect. Don't just jump right in and, and overwhelm yourself. But find compassion for yourself, find patience with yourself in this project and this process, but also trying to put your foot in the water a little bit, feel it out, make room to make those connections, make room to find your tribe, which this talks about going into. <clears throat> this is, and this is funny that I, <laughs> I have, at the end of this reading, the lover cards reading leading to the King of Wands. And the first bit looking at that, it would talk about a relationship, but I'm going to step away from that a little bit and look at it more in the way of finding your tribe, slowly putting your foot into the waters, feeling it out and making space to slowly find the people that you feel comfortable around. The lover's card doesn't necessarily have to be between, that energy doesn't have to be between two people. The lover's card can be harmony in groups too. Harmony in, in also self-love, but also in, in that internal harmony, but finding, finding your tribe. And the king of wands makes me think about family too. He's usually in my mind, 
kind of a big father figure and, and a family uh, man. So maybe families, I, I don't know if you have a lot of family or not, but family might be a way for you to start stepping, putting your foot in the water, feeling it out, trying to find space for you to work your way into a little bit of, of, of community. And that might be through extended family, that might be through kids even, and, and, and parenting groups and, and just finding the right group of people to, to interact with. But the right group is out there or the people are out there, your, your tribe is out there. It just needs to be found. And meanwhile, make space for a little internal healing. Really sit with the stories that are running inside of you that are created from uh, survival mechanisms to survive whatever, whoever the King of Swords was in your life. And again, I'm seeing this as, as a man, either again, father or an ex, some man that should have been a protective role to you, should have been a supportive role to you, but instead ended up pretty much slinging his emotional trauma bull on you somehow and hurting you in creating this internal story where now you are afraid to be open again like that. You're afraid to step into, with that five of pentacles, to step into that church and interact with the people in there, interact with the warmth, interact with that community because the, the cold is safer, right? The cold, that outside bit is safer than opening yourself up and making room for somebody else to use that sword, to, that sword in, in tarot, you know, sword is air, sword is words. So using that sword to hurt you, using their words to hurt you, to create that recreate that traumatic experience whatever you're carrying so that's that's my reading uh that's what i got for you and i hope that that's helpful wow you really you really touched me isaac without like i hope you know how good you are <laughs> i hope you do that was that was really insightful and i and even helped me in this moment. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, that was that was wonderful. So good. So good. I hope we're gonna get something from that. I have something else to share before we move on to our next segment. And this is something that is outside of runes of tarot for Rhonda. Um, Rhonda, as you're watching this, anybody else that's watching this, um, in my space here, right? If somebody was here physically, they'd be right over there. In that chair and I think you can see this poster hanging on the wall and I oftentimes have my clients read this poster um, not all my clients read it right but maybe 80% of my clients read it because they need to they need to see it and what I want to do Rhonda is I'm just going to lean and I'm going to speak up as I lean but I'm going to lean in and I want to read this poem to you because it's a poem um, and it's by an uh Marianne Williamson. Some people are familiar with her, some people aren't. Uh, but it's a poem called Our Deepest Fear. And it talks about God a couple times in it, but I just think universe. To me, I'm not a Christian, so you know I don't get off on the big God word. Uh, but it's a very insightful poem. Um, plop in universe or goddess or 
karma or kismet or whatever you want to when I get to the God part for anybody. But I want to read it to you, Rhonda. So here it goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That poem is something that I would encourage you to find and print out and read every day. And I would like you to read stuff like that um, as a way to kind of reprogram those stories, right? Reprogram somebody who would have taught you uh, that you were small and, and consider it an antibiotic, right? To, to, to whatever you're infected with. We gotta take an antibiotic often to get rid of an infection. So we kind of have to repeat it over and over and kind of retrain ourselves in, in that way. So take, take what you want out of that. But I would also encourage you uh, not, to, not to to Isaac and I, my horn here, but I would encourage you to take a page out of our book. You know, both of us gay men, both of us in these very kind of shunned upon waters, you know, we're, we're like gay witches, we're gay psychics, we're, we're, we're gay mediums, you know, it's, it's, it can be kind of scary in this world. And yet we step into that and we step into that role from a place of faith, right? But also from a place of wanting to make the most out of this world while we have it. So as Isaac kind of talked about the five pentacles and being out in that uh, snowstorm, come on in, right? Come see us, come be with us, come on in. We wanna, we wanna have you, right? The world is a better place when we have more Rhonda, uh, absolutely. And I think to a certain degree, you know, you gotta tell that, that inner part of yourself that over and over and over again. If you don't have people in your world telling you that over and over again, well, you have to tell yourself that and you kind of have to reprogram those stories. So find that poem, find similar things like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Desiderata, uh, a poem to read often uh, over and over again to kind of reframe stories within us. So I hope that helps. I really do. I actually, I, I just concur with Josh. I'd actually, I've actually just pulled it up on my phone, um, the Desiderata, because it's such a beautiful um just such a beautiful message to check into and I like you you know do I had it when I on my wall as a kid growing up right from tiny right by my um by my bed and so it's something that's kind of programmed in in my kind of lizard brain you know the back of my skull it's just there plugged in um but now every now and again when I really need that kind of you know sense of whatever I just I read it again and it just it feels like I'm putting on a, a, a shield of some kind or a warm shell. It's just lovely. So yeah, check that one out too. Well, Anna, Anna, if you have it on your phone, would you mind reading okay. it? Do you want me to read it? I'll read it now. Please, okay, please. so 
the desiderata and forgive me i forget who wrote it i should know this but i i don't um but the words are go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence as far as possible without surrender be on good terms with all persons speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons, they are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for there will always be greater and lesser, lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love. For in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take, take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labours and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful, strive to be happy. And that's written by Max Ehrman in 1927. And it always makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, me too, boy. And, it, and it's funny, Anna, I actually have uh, right behind my, my phone here that's recording this episode on the other part of my wall, I have that as a poster too. So those two things together, I just like, if you can read them every day, that will help to talk to that inner story. Wow. So yeah, thank you for, what a, what a fun synchronicity there. As you were pulling that up, I was thinking about it and talking about, oh, that's, I love that. We're, we're creating yeah. magic. <laughs> magic. All right, so Rhonda, there you go. I hope that I hope that helps. Absolutely, I hope that helps anybody else who can relate to Rhonda's play and story. You know, those two poems will definitely help. Uh, we're going to move right into the next part of this. Um, Isaac is going to introduce us to this week's mystery, this week's legend, and uh, the, give us the question how we're going to um, read on it. So, so Isaac, take it over, please. All right. Well, I'm going to start out by saying that I do not know this story too well. I know Josh knows it a little better than I do, but 
we're going to be looking into the Amityville horror. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, so in 1974, there was a murder in this house. Uh, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family. Awful. Uh, and so he was convicted of murder and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so a year later, George and Kathy Lutz, is that how you pronounce their last name? Do you know Josh Lutz? Yeah. And their three children moved into the house. And after 28 days later, the Lutz fled their house, claiming to have been terrorized by paranormal phenomenon who lived there. So there's a long story about it. Uh, there's a few different books written about it, but there's also a lot of people that don't think that it's true. I'm, I have the Wikipedia in front of me so I can try to skim over it and talk about it a little bit they had pulled in a certain priest, I know, who was also a lawyer and judge and psychotherapist. And, you know, they were hearing voices. Uh, there was, I don't know, the priest, according to the story, was having like blisters on his hands. And, and then didn't the family have a moment where they where they were seeing like blood instead of water in their mop bucket, uh, a bunch of other weird stuff that they claimed happened there. They tried to do a blessing and it just, things just went sideways and so they just moved out. Uh, and there's just some really crazy things that they claimed happened there. Uh, and so they, they moved out and I'm not sure, I don't believe the house is still there, but there's a lot of criticism and controversy of the story, including people pointing out that the story would change as the book was reprinted in different editions. Uh, the, the priest uh, who had gotten a lot of attention in there, that he said that most of that had not happened to him, that they were just making that up. Uh, and they were talking about seeing devil hoof prints in the snow, and then they were looking at a weather report and saying that there's no snow on the ground. So there's a lot of, did something happen here? Did, uh, did they, did something not happen here? Like what, what, what was the deal? Was the place actually haunted? Where was the Lutz family making this story up? Or is it something in between? I have a hard time with things like this because my understanding of, of you know, spirit activity like this, when it, let's say either, you know, it could have been, you know, an angry, if, if something was actually happened, it could have been an angry land spirit. It could have been some just unhelpful, angry spirit. It probably wasn't ghosts. Uh, again, from my understanding of working with like ghosts has been like spirits of, of recent dead, uh, more just um, maybe like parasitic spirits or something like that. But when that, they also seem to kind of coincide with mental un instability. So instability. So it could be a little bit A, a little bit of B. Was it all just somebody trying to get fame? Was it craziness? I don't know what was up with this family. So what I'm going to do to start this off 
is I'm going to shuffle and I'm going to pull three cards about the situation asking if, asking if the story that the Lutz family told, was that really what happened? This is probably the Lutz family. Oh, okay, we're ready. <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun, and I, I am open to other people's thoughts on this. So the per first thing that I pulled was the Knight of Swords, which ah, swords especially are a little difficult. Uh, when I think of this card, I think of you know, the, this character that rushes ahead, that is impetuous is not like, this is a card for somebody whose words come out before they think. So that's an interesting, there, there's, so that, that suggests to me that maybe it, there is either embellishment or is coming up, but there's still an aspect of there might be some truth to it, especially so the next card is the world, completion. Uh, but not only is this a card of completion, you'll see in the world we have, you know, four different spirits surrounding the lady at the center, which is suggesting to me that there is spirit activity. This is not something that is entirely in their head. But that again, still doesn't mean that he wasn't kind of nuts and that maybe they didn't embellish, embellish the story. So the third card that I pulled was the Nine of Swords, which I normally think of as the, the waking from the nightmare card, waking from something awful. So that again hints to me that they did have a terrible experience in that house. There was something that happened in the house. Now, did the story kind of rush ahead and get ahead of them? Maybe, and maybe that was at the behest of a, a publisher or the want for fame. But, and this is funny because I really was kind of going into this not expecting there to be any spirits. I was expecting it to be entirely bold because it is kind of a ridiculous story. Like there's stories about slime appearing and things like that. And, and I'm rather skeptical about that. But what I'm seeing here is while the story was embellished and it got ahead of them, they got bigger than the actual event, there was something awful that happened there. And I mean, I know something happened, awful definitely happened there when that murder happened before the family moved in, but there was definitely unhealthy spirit action and they were right in moving out. But the story is embellished and not quite the actual truth of the matter. And also even with uh, spirit stuff, if they're experiencing something where it doesn't mean that it's actually happening, it's entirely just a in your brain thing, but that's still spirit activity. So that's, that's what I got for my reading of the situation. Uh, any thoughts? Any thoughts team? I don't know, um, the Knight of Swords, the Knight of Swords, sorry, Anna, the Knight of Swords no, no, you strikes me as the, the murderer you know Ooh. the murderer the guy i mean i think he took an axe to people i'm pretty sure it was you know a very violent murder so you know when 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 despite people's uh 
despite people's mental health or instability, you know, when, when somebody is capable of something like that, in their own mind, they're going to be the knight, right? They're going to be that, that person who thinks, well, for whatever reason, they have to do the thing, right? To make, it's, it's, it's mental illness. It's just, it's mental illness. And so, so yeah. in his mind, he would have been the knight accomplishing that with the sword stopping whatever he was stopping or what have you. That's what I got out of that. I just did a quick Google search or just a quick follow through on him. And he did end up, it was with a gun, but he didn't then later call up. It just sound like there was a lot of mental instability. I mean, obviously there's mental instability that lets somebody to kill six people. That's not like what a normal sane human being does. But uh, uh, yeah, that'd be, that's an interesting way to look at that card for sure. And, and also an interesting way to look at how when cards show up in a reading, it can have more than one meaning. Because I think that this still, it talks about that story getting away, but also that makes sense that it would be talking about the murderer in the house before the Lutz family moved in. So that's really interesting how a card can have two separate meanings and talk about them both at the same time. I felt similarly to Josh, my instinctive gut feeling was as soon as that Knight of Swords came in, I was like, that's him, <laughs> that's him <laughs> doing. And again, the the disturbance, the, the, the yeah, the, I mean, poor, I mean, you have to say poor guy to be in that position to begin with, to start with, to be, you know, that disturbed that he did those awful things. Um, but yeah. It just, that's what popped for me that that was that was uh, him uh, and his mental state yeah. I'm so I was ready to debunk this thing and the cards are all like oh yeah oh yeah no there's ghosts surely not spirit <laughs> there's there's spirit activity happening here my my uh my scully moment has been kicked up all right Anna what do you, what do you got on what do, you, what do you have? Well, I, right I, I pulled Oracle cards because I've got this fantastic deck called the Earthbound Oracle, and I love them. They're brilliant. Um, I recommend them to everybody. Um, but they're really punchy, and they don't muck around. Um, and the cards that I pulled um, in succession were, the first one is Release, which shows a lily. The second one is Death. And the third one is resistance and from that I took resistance to the release that comes at the moment of death so the resistance to the fact that the spirit then traveled on and we know from the anti am, excuse me from the Amityville horror story that the phenomena that was being experienced was it was it was basically due to these spirits not being um, able to leave, not being able to go where they were supposed to go, not being able to ascend or go beyond or wherever, you know, get through that veil. They were stuck um, because of the trauma. Um, so therefore, their death, um, there was a resistance to that release. And then a third party comes in and I have here this card, the wise one, which is the, I suppose you could, say it's the card of the Hierophant. It's number five in the major arcana of the, um, this is the Tower of the Abyss by Anatorian. And it shows a shamanic 
healer sitting between two people and enacting some kind of rite, some kind of fire ceremony. And it refers to all the traditional meanings of the Hierophant, organized or established religion or religious practice. And we know that this woman came to the house, she was a spirit medium, and she channeled um, her medium, through her mediumship abilities, she was able to, I, I think she wasn't she able to, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't she able to send the spirits to the light or something of that nature, which then caused the whole, the whole thing to kind of, um, cease to be a problem. Um, so that's what I'm getting from these cards is that process being described. Um, the fact that she, this person, this, this person who was an authority or a practitioner of a um, spiritual nature came in and was able to release these spirits of, and send them where they needed to go. So I'm going to come down on the fact that yes, this was a phenomenon. Yes, it did happen. The fact that since after the fact there hasn't been any activity within the house well those spirits are no longer there because that woman did her job and she did it well um so that's why there's no um you know lingering miasma or presence within the house because she did the job those spirits are no longer in trauma they're no longer trapped they have gone to where they needed to get to um so that's what i'm taking from this and i'm going to come down firmly on the side of yeah i believe in it Wow, Anna. So I, you're going, you're going to absolutely love my. I pulled five cards here. You know, one in the center, two on each side, uh, around this, and I just kind of asked, you know, give me insight. You know, paint a story for me about this. Give me insight. And I'm using, uh, I'm using the. I'll just pull, I'll pull a card that isn't of my spread. I'll show you a couple of them here. So I'm using the Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot from Matt Hughes, which I'm just in love with because it's got that like gold filigree and just really beautiful cards. Those are the sun and the chariot cards there. So I pulled five of these cards just asking what the story was. I won't, I won't disagree with anybody here. I won't, I won't disagree with anybody because you know, we ask if there's spiritual phenomenon, right? Well, one, it's, it's impossible. It's literally impossible for to exist anywhere without there being spiritual phenomena. It's just a matter of how it's interacting with us, right? Whether it's interacting with us at all in a way that we can uh, see or feel or, or tangiate, if you will. So one, spirit phenomenon. Two, you, you take a place where murders actually happened, that's going to affect the, the spiritual ecosystem of any place, home, what have you. Uh, and it's really it's really important because a, a big of the it's it's so fascinating from a, a historical, cultural, sociological perspective that this would have happened in the seventies, and then it got popular like right in the beginning of the eighties, late seventies, early eighties, right around the satanic panic, you know, where all of this stuff was like a big deal, and you know, horror movies and you know, religious stuff going on and cults and all this all this wildness, right? Back then, that was happening. And, and one of the things that really stuck out with me as I was, as I was looking into this a little bit was the fact that the big story was like, ooh, they built the house on a place where the Native Americans of that area would have abandoned their mentally ill folk, right? Like they would have had mentally ill members of the tribe and they would have just left them there, right? Or, or done something in that area. And the, the Native Americans in that area was like, no, that's never happened. We didn't have any historical basis for that so you're making that up and that really i think over like it kind of paints the picture of when you take a really awful thing right like this and then you place it in that moment of time of 
you know, consumerism and sensationalism and the National Enquirer and all of those things where things get blown out of proportion because it's ending up feeding into some sort of financial agenda, right? So we do have this murder. We do have this place that no matter what had spirits in it, we do have traumatic stuff that happened to living people, which means that trauma would have been brought forth in into death to those spirits, right? So here are my five cards. The very first one is the three of pentacles. Now the three of pentacles to me speaks to that whole like conspiring, right? I see, I see these three guys right here just making something up, right? Making something up for the future, right? Conspiring. So, so this is kind of like a story that would have happened after all of it, right? Because outside of the tarot cards, outside of this, they're still writing books. They're still, well, I don't know. I think the last book might have been written in the 90s. I don't know. But they're still making movies of the amiable horror. There's, they keep churning them out every few years, which leads me to believe, right? Somewhere, somebody owns the rights to this thing. And every time uh, a movie is made um, in regards to this, somebody's making money. Right. So so despite the things that would have happened, somebody's now making money. Well, here we go. We've got the three of pentacles. Pentacles, that earthly, right? Some white guys making money off of something they can make money off of, right? Right next to the seven of swords. Right? That 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 like weaselly energy. I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna I'm gonna it's like a sneaky energy. We're kind of making things up. And then right next to the Eight of Swords, the Eight of Swords is the very center card in all of my five cards, right? So we have the Eight of Swords, the blindfold, like being, being I don't know, being fooled by something here. There's this, there's this element of trickery and, and hoaxing and, and hopes to, to make some money, which leads me to the next two cards. The Wheel of Fortune and the Queen of Pentacles. The Wheel of Fortune and the Queen of Pentacles. Now, the Wheel of Fortune, if we just look at it on the on, on the face value of it, right? Fortune, right? Wheel of Fortune, Fortune. And then we have the Queen of Pentacles. Now, as I was looking at this and I was painting the story of like, well, somebody's making money off of this, right? Who's making money? And and Isaac, you'll you'll love this. You know, I I think the I think I think Ed and Lorraine Warren got pulled into this stuff. I think they had something to do with uh I think they had something to do with the Amityville horror. I think they got pulled into it and then they I were really, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's they what were I thought, but I don't see it on the wiki. Yeah, I mean, Warren, Warren. Oh, guys. right, right, right. So, so, so the, this Queen of Pentacles is either right. Who owns the rights to the Amityville Horror? I'd love to know that. Or somebody's out there. Every time it's every time there's money being exchanged around that word, somebody's making money. Does a woman own that? Right? Does does the daughter of does the daughter of the initial novelist own the rights to the Amityville Horror? And every time somebody makes a movie, the daughter of the novelist makes money right that, that'd be an interesting thing to to uh to research but yeah this 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 wheel of fortune and this queen of pentacles card together when anna was talking about the medium going in and releasing the spirits right bringing conclusion to that journey for them 
this could very well be that medium and this could be what she did you know the things that got raised up were brought down right so there's there's multiple ways to read this but the, the it's sandwiched this reading is sandwiched by pentacles the three of pentacles the queen of pentacles and then we have that seven of swords eight of swords energy along with the wheel of fortune I do really think that there was a traumatic event. I do think there was probably what we conventionally would consider paranormal experiences where there were probably disembodied, traumatized spirits that were manifesting and expressing themselves. Was the Lutz family in danger? I don't know. But I do think they experienced something, absolutely. And then I think they experienced something and then people got a hold of it and just ran with it and turned it into a money train. They duped us. They duped us. They duped everybody, turned it into a money train, took a really unfortunate incident, really tragic incident, and turned it into a gravy train. That's that's what I think happened here. I think there's totally room for, as you say, you know, it, the fact that somebody did run with this and make money out of it doesn't negate the fact that the phenomenon happened because of the trauma you know it just means that somebody took um you know took a punt and making an opportunity for themselves you know and ran with it so yeah i think we could all be i think we could all be saying the right thing here definitely there was so i'm looking at it uh there are 25 and I imagine this this counts like made-for-TV things and things like that. There are 25 titles under Amityville uh, that reference to Amityville Horror. So somebody is definitely making a little bit of money off of this. But it is interesting how, you know, that being said, there's still the idea of, you know, the story getting out of control, having that, you know, that experience we were talking about on with the spirits and, and and having having an actual experience with these with spirits in your house especially a year after a big tragic murder i mean it makes sense but then taking it and running with it and turning somebody's awful experience into something bigger and making money off of it i don't know it's a fascinating and, and so very american um, <laughs> you know like Let's take something really awful and then just make boatloads of money off of it. Uh, but, huh. What's more readings, everybody? Yeah, that's a fascinating thing. I, I, I really didn't know one way or the other. I remember as a, as a young teenager reading the Amityville Horror, and it, like I can remember that book. I used to devour horror novels as a kid, and none of them ever really frightened me. But the two that really did frighten me as a, as a child was The Shining and The Amityville Horror. I remember that. It was just a frightening, frightening book. Because we're reading it, right? We're reading it under the assumption that it's a true story, right? But whose true story is it? You look, you just peel, you don't have to dig very far to peel back the layers on this thing and see that ah, somebody was lying, somebody's making money, you know? I am, I am, I'm going to actually research after this to find out who, uh, who owns the rights to the novel, if the novelist had a daughter, uh, who, who's making money? Somebody's making money with that brand. It's licensed. Somebody's making money, and I want to know who it is. That's, that's for later. 
Likewise with you, Josh, I, I also found, the, and still do, find The Shining um, fantastically terrifying and, and also the Amityville horror. But I think it's also to do with the fact that, you know, both of those stories are set very much in what was the modern day at the time. So we're not talking about spooky castles and vampires and, you know, historical scenarios. This is happening now. This is in real time. Um, and I guess that's why Blair Witch was so frightening when that came out, because that was contemporary. And these are people experiencing these terrifying phenomena. And that, and you know, they were true. Um, well, certainly the Amityville horror was packaged as true, not the shining, but it could have been. Um, but these are things that are happening in the in the here and now. They're not, uh, we can't um, compartmentalize them and put them on the back shelf, go, oh, you know, that was, you know, it's it's pretend, it's fantasy, it happened years ago, it doesn't, it's just a ghost story. Well, no, not if it's happening now, not, not if it's happening in a modern home, in a modern town, in a modern society. It takes on a different nuance and it suddenly then invades in a different way. Um, and that I just, mm -mm, no, no. <laughs> It's it's scary. It is scary, and then it took you know I can remember distinctly as a as a as a young kid reading it. I think in summer because during summer break, summer vacation between between grades, I read a lot. Right. And I'm like, I'm living in an old farmhouse <laughs> with flies. And I'm like, ah, fly, <laughs> So I, I remember that distinctly. All right, so, so everybody knows that I think The Shining is terrifying, especially with those goddamn hedge, like the, the hedge animals. Do you remember those, Anna? The ones that would like be moving and then like, it wasn't really in the movie a lot, but like you'd look at them, they'd be in one position and then you'd look back and they'd be in another position and all sorts of weird. There's a lot of frightening stuff there. I want to ask you on a uh, frightening, frightening book, movie recommendation, something for Halloween season. What has scared, scared your pants off? Um, well, the, I, I would say actually one of my favorite films, I have, even though it's terrifying, is The Shining just because it's just an extraordinary movie and it's so well shot. So that's at the what high up on my list um i mean i've got to say favorite halloween movie got to be the nightmare before christmas i just love it i know it's not that spooky i know it's not scary but you gotta love it um terrifying scary um just trying to think what has actually what i've seen that's frightened me i i, I haven't watched anything really frightening for a long time so I'm gonna pass when it comes to sort of that I mean I haven't watched Blair Witch I haven't watched The Ring all of these classic scary films I just haven't watched them um and there are films which are supposedly scary that I don't think are um so The Wicker Man I don't find scary um I actually really love it as a movie it's a great film um and the recent one uh, that was similar in a similar vein with the with a group of kids that go to Norway. Oh, uh, Midsummer. That's that's, you know, been heralded as a spooky, scary film. And to me, that was just that was an exploration of animism and paganism. And and I really found it amazing and an incredible film. I, I really loved it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with The Shining as, as, as my number one scary film. Awesome. 
Awesome. Isaac, you, you have a recommendation for our audience? Well, we did. I, I, I'm sure you want to uh, rec recommend, you know, we, we watched movies together. So um, I'm sorry to take this from one from you, but Midnight Mass was so good. It was so good. <gasps> Oh, I forgot. I saw that. I've, I, I'm going to vote for that too. I saw that, and it was really, really good. It was great. So well done. And I guess it's not very, you know, it, it has scary, spooky moments, and it's about a scary, spooky thing. But really, it's it's more character driven. That's why it's brilliant. Uh, and and just tackling a lot of really heavy things. Uh, Corey, classic Halloween. I mean, you know, the first thing that I think of is Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is, again, not very scary, just fun, funny, and Halloween-esque. Hocus Pocus, eh, classic Disney witchy movie. Uh, and as for a really good scary movie, I've seen so many, and it's really hard to pick one. Also, if I had to pick a, an actual scary movie, I think my favorite scary series would be Nightmare Before Elm Street, or Nightmare Before Elm Street, and then thinking Nightmare for Christmas, Nightmare on Elm Street, there we are. That's, ah, classic spooky 80s horror. I've just remembered on his, on his one that I've got to say, to... I've got to say, The Witches of Eastwick is such a great film. I love it. Ah, such a brilliant film, and that's a film to watch at <laughs> Halloween. Watch that film. In the Jack Nicholson kind of hall of brilliant films so yeah <laughs> if you haven't got the stomach for the shining watch the witches of eastwick instead it's really just a great ride oh my mm. gosh is it ever it is one of the best it's one of the best did you did you read the book anna i haven't read the book but i know it's oh. written by an amazing author it is and the book is completely different i recommend it it's like it's like it's just it's like basically they just took the title of the book and put it on a different movie it's it's really a good book, and I would really really recommend it. Now, what I want to do is I want to tie in The Shining with Midnight Mass, and watch how I do this. Watch how I do this because I really love Midnight Mass. Now, Midnight Mass was uh, written directed by a fellow named Mike Flanagan, and I'll just watch anything that this guy does really because he did the he did the Haunting of Hill House, he did the Ma uh, Bly Manor on Netflix, he did you know he's done a lot. However. Anna, I would really recommend this for you and anybody else watching this. So did you know that Stephen King wrote a sequel to The Shining? Yeah, he did. He wrote a sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep, right? And Dr. Sleep is about little Danny Torrance, the little boy in The Shining, all grown up. And um, one, a fantastic book that I, I really see is like uh, a return to like, classic king form right because he like <laughs> he kind of got like i don't know just kind of out there a little bit but he really returned to his roots of dr sleep now what i would recommend is the movie version of dr sleep is amazing and it's directed by mike flanagan the guy who did midnight oh. man yeah um, so it's just, where can it's you just... where can you where can you catch it is it on like amazon netflix it's it's out there. It's probably on Prime yeah. or you know something something like that. You know, it's one of those things. I'm sure you can spend the three bucks on Prime to to watch it. I would I I I I I would say you could appreciate both of them. You know, watch the movie and then read the book if you want because 
the movie and the villains, the villains are so good. The villains, oh, the main villain in Doctor Sleep, oh, they're just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful spooky stuff. And it's a great story. It's a great continuation, great sequel. Highly recommend that one. Fantastic. I'm yeah. definitely checking that out. Definitely Halloween that out. <laughs> That's so great. All right. So this is wonderful. I'm glad that we're back at it. Anna, Isaac, you have anything anything else to share before we before we sign off? just it's great to be back it's really lovely to be back and thanks to everybody for tuning in and thanks to your patience in this kind of hiatus period where we've been off doing other stuff um but we're back together and that feels good yeah it does and we'll get back to it we'll get more some some more questions in we'll get our guests in it's 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 been a lot of fun so to our audience thank you for bearing with us and thank you for checking out this episode it's been a lot of fun uh, if anybody out there has questions challenges issues all you have to do is email us at three of cups story hour at gmail.com and we'll get to them if we can if we can fit them in and we'll do our best to get them in but yeah send us your challenges issues we'd love to help you find some insight around those things so with that, thank you again for tuning in, watching, listening. However, you're you're consuming this. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.